Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's video. I'm Pastor Matt, this is Pastor Adrienne, and we pray this message blesses you and encourages you all throughout your week. Absolutely. For any more information on how to be praying with us or to become a part of our community or to give, please head on over to takeovergr.com. I just want to pray right now. The Yeah, I'm just freestyling it. The, the veil is so thin right now. Yeah. Worship, like we could just dance, we could shout, we could do this all day because just the revelation of the blood is so easy to understand on a day like today. So I'm just gonna pray over Matt and over us. Lord, would you open our ears, our hearts, our eyes, Lord. Lord, would you let these words that you've given to Matt just come through with full force. Just knock us off our feet, God, because we love you, we praise you, we thank you for the blood. Lord, for those of us in here that don't understand that your blood completely washes us clean, for those of us in here that don't understand that the blood will change your life now, it won't just change your eternal destiny. It won't just change your destination after you die. It changes your life now. So Jesus, just add an extra anointing, a power to the scripture as we read it and to the words that you've planted on Matt's heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus one more shout. One more shout. I have no idea why I'm up here. None. There, what's there left to accomplish? What's there left to, to be said? I love King Jesus. I love King Jesus so much. And as always, before we get going, can you just make some noise for our incredible worship team and our serve crew at large? I love King Jesus. If you're, look, if you're looking for the crucified message, that was Friday at our Good Friday service. It's available online. You can go back and listen to it. Instead, where the Lord is taking us into a different space and a different part of this moment with the Lord and I ask that you buckle up and you get ready to receive and you prepare your hearts to be good soil right now because the Lord has a word for this house for his church his bride in this hour amen so I'm gonna ask the Lord to take me by the hand that we can deliver it well to you today and most importantly I'm just excited to tell you about my Jesus your Jesus our Jesus, amen. I understand that it's Easter Sunday and that some of you, you were invited and you have friends in the audience tonight that, that care about you and love you and care about your temporal and eternal well-being. They care about your life in the moment and they just know that if you got Jesus today, your life would be forever changed. Some of us in the room this morning, we don't currently have a relationship with this Jesus that so many of us are going absolutely mental for this morning, losing our minds because we have recognized those that have forgiven much, they love much, baby, because he has saved us. And that same joy, that same freedom, this is not fabricated. This is our only good and perfect response when the king is in the room. And if you're new with us this morning, or you would say, I'm not sure about Jesus yet. I want to tell you that Jesus is sure about you. 
you may be unsure of him, but Friday, Friday, we passed out to scale nails that were driven through our Lord for us to contemplate, for us to ruminate, for us to get intimate with the Lord. And to think about the price that he paid because he was so sure of us. And I tell you today, friend, if that's you, you are unsure about Jesus. Look no further than his nail-ridden body, his scar-ridden body, that he was poured out like wine for you. There's nothing more serious. There's nothing more praiseworthy. There's absolutely nothing in your life that matters as much as your eternal well-being. Well, Pastor Matt, that's eternity. I can live like hell and repent before I get to heaven. No, I'm sorry, that's not God's best. That's the devil's cheat code. You're worth more than that. God did not send Jesus to ruin your fun. Jesus did not come, rise again, send his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. To take away all the fun of man. No, instead what he did was cover every sin of man so that whosoever, the most unlikely of people myself, chief among them, I met Jesus as a 16-year-old boy who was abused his entire life, physically, emotionally, with a father and a mother that were drug runners, absent when they were abusive. I've done every drug under the sun. I've drank myself under the table. By the grace of God, I made it to marriage without having sex with someone besides my wife. Hallelujah. But when Jesus encountered me at 16 years old, I was the worst. The kid that brought me to church I offended and persecuted him so hard, the only way he could get me to stop him from mocking him as a Christian was to stab me with a number two pencil. And the lead is still in my arm to this day. I love baby T. Friends, if God can save me, God can most certainly save you. And if God can take my pitiful excuse for a life and redeem it from the pits, set me free of every addiction from drugs to pornography and all in between, if he can take me to a holy place, he can take you, I'm sure of it.
I'm not a fan of waiting till the end of service for the altar call. And so I think we're in a holy moment right now where the spirit is just heavy in this place. You may be unfamiliar and unsure with what's taking place in the room in this moment, but let me tell you, there is a God who died for you, who rose for you, who ascended for you, who is returning for you, and he today is in this room, and he is ready to meet with you when you're ready to meet with him. So this morning, we'll have baptisms at the end of service, and we have towels, and there will be another song of worship, of course, and we're going to go after him this morning, even more than we already have. But I want to invite you. He is ready for you to meet him because he is already entirely and emphatically aware of your sin, aware of your past, aware of your future. And he is abundantly hopeful of what he can do with your life. Today is your day, my friend. Jesus is calling you. This morning, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Christ and Christ Crucified. Christ and Christ Crucified. Christ and Christ Crucified. We're going to come out of the book of 1 Corinthians. It'll be up on the Sky Bible if you don't have one. If you do want a Bible, we have them in abundance. They are blue, they see ESV, and they're all over the place. Please take one that is for you. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 16. Are you ready for the Word of God? And when I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not plausible. Plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, praise God, but we impart a secret, hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, and that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by man, 
not by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual, the natural person does not accept these things because of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but it is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We're going to pray and we're going to explain what the Lord is doing in this moment. Father, I just asked this morning. I asked Lord Jesus. I'm having a literal nosebleed right now. Thank you, my love. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what do the Catholics call this when uh, you start heaven? Stigmata. <laughs> How embarrassing. Oh. I can always count on the Lord to keep me humble. real good. Yeah, you, you thought you was hot, so I made you bleed from your face in front of your friends. All right. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father God, we love you so much. Father, what a joy it is to be in the house this morning, God. What a joy it is to be in your presence, God. What a joy it is to be here, Lord, even in the midst, God, even in the midst, God, of stern words, of radical proclamation, God, of radical obedience, Lord. This morning, it is a joy set before us, like the joy set before Jesus to endure the cross, God. We, we will be joyful as you make us into your image and likeness, as you renew us, God, as you bring revival to us and through us, God, as you do something, God, so significant and so special in this hour, God. We say we are grateful to be alive. The world may call it the land of confusion. God, we proclaim the harvest is ripe for the taking. God, we refuse to partner with the spirit of fear and the spirit of this age. God, no, today we have one partner, one co-laborer. That is the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, bring us a deep revelation this morning, God. We need a deeper revelation this morning of Christ and Christ crucified, Lord. Show us, God. Take it to our depths, God. Shut it up like fires in our bones, God, that we will be a people obsessed with Christ and Christ crucified. In Jesus' mighty name, a faith-filled church screamed it out loud. Amen. 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 Oh, Christ and Christ crucified. Christ and Christ crucified. Christ and Christ crucified. Friday we preached what I hope and I believe is probably, in my estimation for myself, the, the greatest evangelical message I've ever preached, the greatest evangelistic message I've ever given. And I hope that if you're new to the faith this morning, you'll go back and, and watch it because that is what Good Friday is about. Easter is about the resurrection. Amen. Now I want to I wanna back up this train real quick and I want to talk because last night the Lord, the Lord invited me. 
I got, a, I got an invitation like Peter where he was like, hey, you want to you wanna stay up with me? And I was like, it is already 1.30, Lord. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he's like, stay up. I want to I I talk with you. And so I've, I, am, I have no sleep in my bones. And I'm good with it. Because last night, man, I, I got to spend time with the king of the universe in such an intimate invitation where he began to tell me more about himself, more about our Jesus, more about what he hopes to accomplish in this hour. But friends, what God longs to bring to Grand Rapids, West Michigan, the Mitten, and the Midwest region, it will not come by might, it will not come by power, but by the Spirit of God. And friends, the way, the way, the way that you and I, we enter into a greater measure of the Spirit of God is that we decide to rid ourselves of every other knowledge, of every other wisdom, of every other lover, of every other affection. Instead, we ready ourselves as the bride of Christ and we ready ourselves in this and this alone, Christ and Him crucified. Christ and Christ crucified. Christ and Christ crucified. You see, Jesus, he went to that cross. and We talked about it on Friday. I just want to tell you this morning that holiness and sin cannot occupy the same space. God made you. In his image and likeness, he made you in his image and likeness to be holy, to be a set-apart people, so much so that Moses would go on to reject any other invitation to go into the promised land if the Lord did not go with them, because what else could set us apart but his presence? We've always been a set-apart people. But unfortunately, in the garden, we decided, we made a choice as humans. You and I, we may not have been there, but we have been grandfathered in because what sin does is sin takes over. The good news is, Jesus also takes over. See, the thing you got to know about the cross that's going to set us up for today is that that wooden tree, that cross, that cross, the crucifixion, is the evidence of God's hate for sin. But the Christ upon that cross is God's evidence of his love for you. Are you hearing me today? Are you hearing me today? Christ and Christ crucified friends. This moment happened. The earth shook. The temple broke. Rocks cried out. The veil was torn. And this veil is something like four to five inches thick in history. Do you know how thick that is? That is the thickest fabric I think I've ever contemplated. That is massive. And it is said that from the heights, the second Jesus took his last breath and he cried out, it is finished. 
It was like the hand of God took the veil of the temple, tore it from the top down, ripped it in two, and now there was a way. Now there was a way to be made whole. Now there was a way to be redeemed. Now there was a way to be sinless. Now there was a way to be set free. Now there is a way where the things that you used to have to submit to, you can now trample upon because you are submitted. You are found. You have been painted red in the blood. And then Jesus is put in a tomb. And while he relented his spirit to the Lord, gave himself up for you and I, the Apostle Paul records that in the interim between, between crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus actually touched down into the bowels, the depths, Sheol of hell to the lowest point he could, striking the devil. And taking back what you and I forfeited with our sin, what Adam and Eve forfeited in the garden, the keys to life. And then on that third day, what today represents, he rolled that stone out the way, some 500 pound stone from about four feet down. The risen king moved it like it was nothing. In his glorified being, scripture records that the two Marys would then make their way to go and see where their Lord Jesus was buried why the disciples were depressed and falling asleep at a picnic table. The two Marys roll up and what they see is a tomb with a stone rolled out the way and inside the tomb, his linens, what he was wrapped in, were folded up, and history records they were folded up in such a way not just to be polite, not just to leave it better than he found it, but he folded it in such a way that was a Jewish custom at Passover how you would fold your napkin. As if Jesus was saying upon exiting the tomb, the table has been prepared. The table has been prepared. And then Mary and Mary are like, where, where is Jesus? And then there's an angel sitting above the emptied tomb and he says to them while they are confused and dumbfounded, why, why are you looking for the living among the dead? 
For Jesus of Nazareth, he is not here. He is risen. I said, Jesus is risen. And this is essential because, friends, outside of the risen Christ, you and I, we are doomed to have a life of perpetually looking for living things among tombstones. Without the risen Christ bringing you resurrection life, you and I, we are doomed to live our days looking for life in things that are dead, looking for life in things that have no hope, looking for life in bottles, in pills, in women, in men, in relationships, in identities, in social things, political parties, online forums. Without the resurrection, you and I will perpetually look for living things among the dead. And yet the only, the only truly living one is the one that Peter declares, he has the words of life. Where else could we go? as if the angel was proclaiming to Mary and Mary, gone are the days. Gone are the days where you live chained, where you live bound, where you live in perpetual slavery to things that only ever offer you death in return. This is why we celebrate Easter. This is why we celebrate the resurrection and the life. This is why we celebrate the one worthy lamb, spotless, innocent, never sinned, but became sin for you and I. And then not only that, he made a mockery of hell, sin, death, and the grave because it lost its power over him and because the grave because hell because sin has no power over Jesus well then those that are found in the blood and filled with the spirit friends I came to tell you today hell sin and the grave has lost its power over you praise him for me now that we got that out of the way Christ and Christ crucified you might be wondering why I didn't just follow up with Matthew 28 after Matthew 27 on Good Friday it's because as I sat with the Lord this week and we were praying and we were talking about what what is it in this hour that you are in desperate 
desire to get across to your bride? What is it that she needs to get through her head? You and me, what do we need a deeper revelation of? And I kept coming back to the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinth church saying, Christ and Christ crucified. What's in that? What does that even mean? You see, for the Apostle Paul, he is raising up a church in Corinth. And Corinth, if you don't know, is basically at this time the epicenter of philosophy of entertainment, of great exports. Corinth, thought Corinth, was an evolved, enlightened people. They had left behind the primitive gods and moved into art and philosophy. So much so that before Twitter, and before Instagram, and before TikTok, having an online public square, Corinth actually had a public square, and instead of a, a mayor or a sheriff or somebody with some sort of authority that was voted in by the people to come and give public addresses, what would happen in the public square is anybody could come and just begin to wax philosophy, spout ideas, tell you what the stars mean. If the earth is flat or the earth is round or the earth is wherever you'd like it. With no degree, no backing, no anybody to say, yeah, you should trust what these people say. They were just allowed to do this and this was commonplace and this was acceptable in Corinth because this was their culture. They lived and they died by philosophy doesn't matter whether it was true or not. They lived by philosophy. In fact, at the public square in Corinth, it could be his truth, her truth, your truth, so-and-so's truth that I just heard, but I liked it's not quite my truth, but I wanted to tell you about it, their truth. So Paul, he is pastoring a church in a city where philosophy is king, where sexuality reigns at an all-time high, so much so that the philosophies that are being spouted about about sexuality have begun to seep their way into the church. And now Paul, as a father, has to come and correct this nature getting into the church. And what is Paul's approach I've decided to come to you in nothing but Christ and Christ crucified. You see, Paul understood something that you and I desperately need to understand today. Is that we have added a whole lot to our Christ. We've got a program for them. We've got a program for this. We've got a series for this. We've got an outreach for this. We've got missions for this. We've got this, 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 this. And we have taken Christ and Christ crucified. And instead of ridding ourselves of every other knowledge and wisdom, 
We've taken the world's knowledge and wisdom. We've taken a broken lens. And we've attached it to Christ and Christ crucified. And we wonder why it appears that the blood has lost its effect. The blood of Jesus has never lost one ounce of power. The blood of Jesus has never taken a step back from authority. The blood of Jesus has never, ever ran dry. The blood of Jesus has never relented. The blood of Jesus can never be defeated. The blood of Jesus has never been overcome. The problem we run into is when we lose sight of Christ and Christ crucified. And we decide, you know what? I think we can cut this blood with a little bit of water. I think we can add a little bit of this philosophy in. I think we can add a little bit of this idea in. I think we can add a little bit of, well, this works for the Buddhists. Let's add it in here. Well, this works for my friends who are vegans and rub crystals together and drink kombucha. Let's add it in here. No offense. I'm just trying to make you laugh for a second. But we begin to look at the world and like the church in Corinth, so many of the bride of Christ today have welcomed in additions to Christ and Christ crucified. And what Paul decided to do was rid himself of all other knowledge and wisdom before he came to them. Can I tell you this? The Apostle Paul was not always a Christian. The Apostle Paul is not the third coming. The Apostle Paul is not the third Adam. He is not holy, set apart, consecrated by God. He was a murderer of Christians. When Paul quotes in 1 Corinthians 15, 15 or 13, one of the two, he goes on to say, when Jesus had his resurrection during those 40 days, he appeared to 500 disciples he appeared to this group, this group, this group, this group. And then he goes, then Jesus made the most unlikely of trips that while I was on my way to Damascus, Jesus, before he ascended, met me. He goes, Jesus met me. And I was on my way to kill the very people he just died for. Because that's what Paul did. He was a high-ranking Israel official. He studied under the most intelligent Jewish leaders of his time. He spoke three languages, which is impressive for the world at the time. He memorized the Torah. He memorized it. I don't mean he could just quote it. I mean he could line for line. Probably in all three of those languages. And what Paul was tasked to do when he was Saul was spend his days dragging out from hiding, dragging out people who were worshiping and following the way, a.k.a. Jesus, a.k.a. Christians. And this is what Paul did for a living. And he says, Jesus met me. 
And it was out of that, out of that unprecedented grace, out of that unprecedented mercy, out of this moment where the Lord in his fully glorified body before he ascended into heaven made a pit stop at his chief enemy in the earth who was destroying and pillaging his bride. And he called him. He called to Saul and turned him into Paul. Just wonder today. I just wonder today what what can Jesus do with your life when he calls you? Paul went from murdering Christians to being a martyr for Christ. And when it came time to set a church correct, to set a church ablaze, to take what the Lord was doing in Corinth and turn up the heat, he rid himself of every church planting manual, of every youth ministry guide, of every adult small group. There was no program for what Paul set out to do. Instead, Paul decided in a place overrun by philosophical nobodies, I will come as a person ridden of all of my knowledge, all of my studies, all of my learning, and I will come in the spirit and power of Christ and Christ crucified. I don't know what you expected for an Easter service today, but I know that pastels need to burn in the glory. I know that getting you out at a reasonable time needs to burn in the glory. We serve a Christ, not a clock. Amen. Far less amens on that one. Because, friends, it is, is Christ and Christ crucified so much so that Paul, he continues on and he says, my speech, terrible. I've been beaten up. I've been in prison. My mouth has been broken. I literally had to be raised from the dead. Paul was killed, stoned to death. And Bible records his disciples raised him back to life, okay? He's a broken man. And yet for a region and for a city to have revival, to be set right, for the bride to be burning. He decided, I'm not going to come with a list of wrongs. I'm not going to come with a list of this. I'm not going to come and study your philosophy here and your philosophy here. And I'm not going to go to the public square and debate you. No, what I'm going to do is I'm going to come with no other knowledge than Christ and Christ crucified in a demonstration of the Spirit of God and the power of God. Amen. Friends, could it be that if you and I, we are called to live a life where Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Could it be the reason most Christians experience a powerless existence of following Jesus? It's because they've attempted to pick up their cross and follow Christ. 
but what they took with them was every other additive they picked up along the way. Could it be the reason we see a powerless bride today is that she has not rid herself of every other earthly wisdom and additive and knowledge and she has not readied herself in the simple yet most powerful gospel of Christ and Christ crucified. What good is deliverance ministry if it doesn't come out of an offering to Christ and Christ crucified? What good is laying hands on someone if it's not an offering unto Christ and Christ crucified? What good is the picket fence in the White House in the minivan in the suburbs if it's not unto Christ and Christ crucified. What good is our cushy West Michigan beach life if it's not unto Christ and Christ crucified? Friends, I believe the hour has come where you and I, as the bride of Christ, we are called back to the simple gospel of Christ and him crucified and we are to live lives like Christ that of both being an offering and bringing an offering are you hearing me we're called to be an offering and bring an offering Christ is both what shepherd and the lamb priest and king lord of lords king of kings lion and the lamb And he, by his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, has invited you and me to die so that he may live your life. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives through me. And Jesus lived as both an offering and he brought an offering. I wonder, I wonder what this Easter could hold for you when you decided that when you left here, your life was an offering and you're to bring God an offering. I'm not talking about finances right now. This is, don't, don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about equipping the church to do good works. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about what you give Jesus, what you are and what you give what you are and what you give is what you are worthy of the death that he paid and is what you give a mirror image of what he has offered. I appreciate anybody this morning. Because Paul, he says, I'm coming with demonstration of spirit and power. I love this because there's another version where he goes, I'm going to show up and we're going to find out if you are full of anything but hot air. Paul is pretty hardcore. And I love it. But it's because Paul was so romanced by the one truth. So much so that he goes on in this next verse and he says, we don't impart wisdom the way the world imparts wisdom that we come with spirit 
and power. The world will not understand this. And he says, if the rulers of this age, you got to pay attention to this language today, church. If the rulers of this age understood what would come by Christ and Christ crucified, they would have never have crucified Jesus. Pause right there. Want to know why that is? The same words that Paul uses for rulers of this age is the same language he uses when he talks about principalities in dark places. He's not talking about Pilate. He's not talking about Jewish leaders. Paul is literally saying, if the devil knew, if the demonic knew, if all of hell understood just what was going to happen when they were trying to pull the strings, Jesus willfully gave his life, but the devil certainly wanted to take it. If he would have known, they would have avoided the lamb. If he would have known what would come, friends, we've got to begin to explore then what does that mean? What is so profound in this that Paul follows it up by saying, there is a secret hidden wisdom that we impart by the Spirit of God about Christ and Christ crucified. What is in that? What is the depths of Christ being crucified that makes hell regret having an active part to play in the crucifixion of Christ? What is it? What causes the king of hell to relent? He certainly had no relent in him when he decided to take one-thirds of the angels and had the mass insurrection in heaven. He certainly had none there. So what is it in that? What is in it in the crucified Lamb of God? whose blood was shed for you and me. But it goes beyond you and me. You see, the blood of Jesus, it brings back order to chaos. Jesus' chief goal when he says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in their heart, confess with their lips, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord will be saved. Jesus, he's interested in reconciling all of creation back unto himself. It's not just every tear that he will wipe away, but every earthly storm that rages in his absence. It's not just that every pain will cease in man. It's that every pain in creation will cease as well. The blood of Jesus isn't just about you and me getting out of hell free. Christ and him crucified is setting a broken universe right again. It's taking everything that is in disorder and bringing it back into order. It's taking that that's out of alignment and bringing it back into alignment. Friends, this thing is so much bigger than you and I. We think we're just going into all the world to proclaim a gospel so that a few may be saved. No, Jesus is operating on a larger scale. The gospel is to go out and to go forth, and this needs to be preached to the ends of the earth because Jesus is interested in the ends of the earth. He's interested in all of the earth. Friends, the reason Christ and Christ crucified is so rich 
and so deep that you and I, we fully probably won't grasp it this side of heaven, but we need to actively pursue a deeper revelation of it. Is because, friends, on Easter Sundays, pastors, we love to spout off about the unconditional love of God. Who in the house is grateful for the unconditional love of God? Here's the bubble pop. The unconditional love of God is for the children of God. God doesn't actually possess unconditional love for those he doesn't know. God doesn't have unconditional love for outsiders. God does, they are still literally under the law. God does not actually possess unconditional love for those who are not yet his children. Do you see how deep this is? Because it's, it's, it's in the blood that the unconditional love flows. It's in your sonship that the unconditional love comes in. It's in your daughtership that the unconditional love of God comes into play because unconditional love of God is how he stewards his inheritance to his son, the bride of Christ. How God stewards his children is by the unconditional love of God. And so for at some point, you and I, we were around for the last 30 years, most of us, and we've been a part of churches, and people have spouted off about the unconditional love, and somewhere along the way, unconditional love became this really wide gate that just anybody could walk through. And we've told non-believers, we've told people far from God and committed to being far from God, that the unconditional love of God was still for them. But it's not. Because there's a condition to walk into the unconditional. And that's Jesus. Jesus is still the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father in his unconditional love except through me. So all of these other ways, all of these other gospels, all of these other Jesuses where we make the gate so wide that anybody could fit into it is simply incorrect and that's what's made the church lazy that's made our light go dim that's what made easter lose so much of its power the blood has never lost the power but the submission of the christian has gotten weaker i appreciate anybody this morning the blood has never lost its power, but the submission of the Christian has gotten weaker. Friends, I'm telling you, you and I, we have the assurance of this unconditional love of Christ and Christ crucified. And the reason this is so important is, man, if we could just bring this to the ends of the earth, if we could just bring this to enemies, if we could just bring this to family, if we could bring this, not come with arguments, not come with pointing out this, that, and the other thing about why their philosophy and all these things are wrong, but if we came with them to the table that was prepared, I'm not saying we don't call sin, sin, we absolutely do, we are righteous people who stand for truth, but I'm saying that there is something beyond conversational 
it is cosmic about Christ and Christ crucified. Worship team, you can make your way up here. Friends, Jesus has done the greatest work this world will ever know, this world will ever see, this world will ever witness until the day he returns. And there is something on the inside of Christ and Christ crucified that should shift us internally. Something on the inside of us needs to shift internally so that we begin to live the miracle of resurrection. Friends, there is a resurrection life that's actually made available to you and I. It isn't just religious rhetoric. It isn't just coming to a church on a Sunday. It isn't just a social club where we share some of the same beliefs and we like to read the same old book. No, there is a living, breathing man from Galilee who has nails in his hands, who has scars upon his head, who had whip upon whip and lash upon lash on his back, who relented his spirit to his father, who died a death he most certainly did not have to. And then from there, he dropped down to the depths of hell. He made a mockery of the devil, of sin, of the power of death, of eternal separation from God. And he rose. He rose. See, most Christians, we love Jesus on the cross because it means that he made a way for us. But we live lives that despise the empty tomb of Jesus because it means we now have to live the way he made for us. But I'm telling you, What set Corinth ablaze? What will set Grand Rapids ablaze? What will set your life ablaze for the glory of God? What will make you people of conviction and not people given over to confusion? What can take the most defiled of us? and exchange us beauty for our ashes. What can wash you clean and make you, yes you, precious in his sight? What can beautify you? What can transform you? 
what can take over your life and change you from the inside out that you gain an obsession to know this crucified lamb. says that there is a way there is a way to gain a deeper revelation of who Jesus and Jesus crucified is there's a way to get to such a real tangible intimate place with the Lord where you will feel like you are losing your mind, but it's because you have lost your mind and you have gained the mind of Christ. The empty tomb makes for a really terrible necklace. But paired with the cross of Jesus, it is one of the single most prophetic images for your and my life. Because you and I have been welcomed in to a kingdom, a family, a brotherhood, a sisterhood a bride and a body, a work that goes beyond our best efforts on our best days, living our best lives. We have been invited into a reality where we begin to live from, live out, and live into Christ and Christ crucified. We're gonna sing a song called Worthy. And if I have some of my pastoral staff here, if you can make your way to the baptismal tank. During this last song, don't worry, we've got towels and heck, if you want to get baptized today and you want to commit your life to Lord Jesus, we'll give you a t-shirt on us. Let's go. But right now, this is your moment. This is the moment where you join in with the great drama of the universe that God has been writing a story from the beginning of time that Paul says there was in the heart of God before the age of glory a plan because the crucified lamb the Bible records was slain before the foundations of the earth which means the greatest redemption has always been in the heart of God for you and for me since the beginning and right now we can join in we can join in with the church past the church present and the future church and you can be married into a life of an unexpected adventure full 
full, not empty, but full, truly full, where his love doesn't run dry, the high never fades. The work of the Lord in your life doesn't take off a day, but he is ever present, he is ever faithful, and he is faithful to complete what he begins in you today. So if you would like to be baptized, if you'd like to give your life to the Lord, if that's you, feel free to make your way on over. It's a jacuzzi. It's warm. And as the rest of us, we're going to begin to sing. We're going to begin to worship the one found worthy. The only one that was able to pay the debt that you and I deeply owe. For the sin against God, the sin against others, and the sin we've committed against ourselves. But, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. A thousand amens, a hallelujah. It is finished because there was a lamb found worthy for you and for me, friends. So let's worship the one found worthy. Let's get baptized in the one found worthy. Let's leave here today a part of the family of the one found worthy. Amen. Now let's worship Father God. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the work that you're doing right now, God. I ask, Lord, that brothers and sisters, God, looking for divine adoption in this moment, Lord, would come forward to be baptized, come forward to lay their lives down at the foot of the cross, to lay down and rid themselves of every other knowledge, of every other wisdom. But God, they would ready themselves today, Lord, with Christ and Christ crucified, God that we would live life aware of the scars on your hands, of the scars on your ribs, of the scars on your head, the scars on your back, and the glorified body that you rose from hell with unto heaven with, that you sit upon the throne and rule the universe with God. We want, we want Christ and Christ crucified today. So Holy Spirit, come have your way in through and on us and we will be a yielded people unto you we relent we relent we relent come take over our lives in jesus mighty name amen